What's up everyone? Today we're talking about a really hot topic for us. It's something that we're very passionate about. It is movement goals versus aesthetic goals. And it's something that we believe very strongly in. We believe that aesthetic goals are good to get you started, but movement goals are what you need to create real success. Hey everyone, in case you haven't met, my name's Rad Burmeister. I'm one of the co-founders of Unity Gym and the Unified Movement System. I'm joined by my brother Yanni today and Richard behind the mic. We're the owners of Unity Gym and the founders here and also by Phil White, a resident physiotherapist. The sparkling Phil White. Sparkling Phil White. Yeah, Yanni had to get something in there, didn't he? Um, If you guys want to know how we turn driven people into strong, flexible and fit athletes, then grab one of our free, 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 our free blueprints the uh, strength blueprint, the flexibility blueprint, or the nutrition blueprint. You can grab them by clicking the link in the description of this YouTube video. If you're watching it there, or if you're listening to the podcast, you can go to the comments and uh, get them there. How are you today, boys? I'm good, mate. I I, uh, I think Rad should just keep going. I think we're needed. Uh, crack out the popcorn. There you go. Crack yeah. out the but, popcorn. Uh, Yanni's back in uh, Bono. Bonneville yeah, uh, yeah, with the uh, orange sunglasses. Yeah, I, uh, I had a, uh, my eye is still terrible and uh, yeah. I spent an entire day in hospital yesterday yeah. getting poked and prodded and seeing different people and uh, getting told the same thing over and over again. God bless the uh, healthcare system. Yeah, good times. Uh, Yanni's yeah, yeah, so. had a recurring issue with his eye after his son dived into him and scratched his eyeball with his fingernail. So if anybody yeah. wants to know why Yanni was in hospital, uh, that's if why. If you're on the podcast, you want to see Yanni wearing some fresh looking glasses, jump on the live stream. Yep, go to the UMS Mama. Movement Mastermind where you can uh, see Yanni in pain in uh, real life. <laughs> <laughs> uh, how are you, Richie? I'm good. Yep. Can't complain. So today's show, the topic, uh, the reason why we're doing this is because it's off the back end of yesterday's show, uh, which was I was talking about um, one of the most common things that we, uh, statements that get made to us by um, female gym members that Yanni and I and Richard have had, and Phil, I don't know if you've had it as well in your career. I don't want to build muscle, I just want to tone my body. And I went into talking about um, the, you know, what's behind that statement, why we don't like it, and uh, talked about sarcopenia and sarcobesity, things that happen to people as they age, which for a lot of people you're probably thinking, ah, that's not me, I'm only in my 30s or 40s. But today we want to, off, off the back end of that, we want to talk about movement goals versus aesthetic goals. because. We, we are well aware and we believe that aesthetic goals are, are a really good reason to get started. It is a primal uh, instinct within people that they, they want to look good. You know, we all feel that. And it is a really um, good reason to get people off their butts, off the couch, into the gym. But what we've found over 17 years of being personal trainers is that it isn't strong enough to keep people motivated long term. Um, and that's why we like to have movement goals. Well, it's, fi- it's, it's finite, right? Yeah. It, it eventually expires. That's right. Uh, ir- ir- whether, you're, whether you're successful or not, there's an expiry date on that goal. Yeah, and that usually happens. Like people, are at best, uh, best case scenario is that people achieve their aesthetic goals and let's say they lose 20 pounds and tone their bodies. I'm, I'm doing the little tone here for the people that are in the, <laughs> on the podcast. Um, and then what happens is, those people lose motivation because they look the way that they want to look now and they don't feel motivated to go back back to the gym anymore and then 
they put the weight back on and the cycle starts over again. Th that's or, if, that's if, they, if, if they succeed. But that's what I just said. That's best case scenario. Yeah. Worst case scenario is that they don't succeed and then they totally lose motivation because you, you just feel like a failure and, um, that, and we see that a lot as well. Oh, so the, mo the most common certainly is that there are so many variables in a really, really chiseled, lean, athletic looking physique that need to fall into place prior to you getting anywhere near that goal if you're coming from a, um, uh, you know, a compromised foundation. Yeah. If you've grown up um, overweight or, or out of shape uh, and you're completely attuned to that lifestyle, yeah. then there's a lot that needs to occur. And it's not, it can certainly be done, but it's generally much harder than people think. Yeah. Uh, it requires much more of a shift psychologically than anything that you can touch, taste, or feel. Yeah. And um, people aren't prepared for that. And, they don't, and, and they're not um, uh, coached through that properly. Yep. You know? yep. And so what we've found is that you can kind of, like, like there's a loophole. I think it's a, I think it's, if there's ever a good time to use the word hack, I reckon this is, it's the time is now. Wow. No. <laughs> you uh, it, you because it first. I believe that the concept of having a performance-based goal hacks the system. And it doesn't matter whether it's a movement goal or a performance goal. I'll give you an example. A performance goal might be to run a marathon as opposed to lose 20 kilos. Yep. The same thing happens. Yep. When you set yourself a goal that's based around performance, it is there's something happens in the mind psych the psychology of a human being where you can hack the system and you're no longer concerned about you know the calories that you consume all of that comes into it you're now concerned about am i going to be able to run this bloody race and when you put that out there to the yeah. universe something different happens yeah and you do you take the steps that you need to do with a different drive and something that keeps you going and you don't look at the scales anymore for how much you weigh yeah, yeah. Uh, to, you, you're just focusing on you know how close you're getting to being able to run that marathon and Doing it the other way, you know, looking at aesthetic goals is, is really reverse engineering the body. It's, um, um, you that, know, which... That's which, the reason. Yeah. That's we, why we, the hacking happens. Yeah. Because you see, if you really think about the reason why people have um, aesthetic goals, if you look back how, how far it came, like, obviously somebody had to look at somebody that looked really amazing one day and say, wow, I want to look like that. And guess who are the people that looked amazing before bodybuilding was around? It, it was athletes, you know. If you go back far enough... Don't quote me on this. Maybe it's well, earlier than this, but prob probably uh, the Greek statues and stuff. You know, of the uh, I, I uh, know the evolution of bodybuilding. I've yeah. been really, uh, really interested in this, and I've studied it. And bodybuilders used to be strongmen, okay. And bodybuilders, the very first, as far back as you can trace bodybuilding, they used to perform at pubs, at taverns, yeah. and they would demonstrate feats of strength yeah, right. in front of people to get free beer from the tavern. Really? The owner of the tavern. This is where bodybuilding came from, wow. and so these guys would be in there lifting people on tables and things like that, you know. And they'd get, and because they're a showman, and people would come to see them, the people that ran and owned the taverns would give them free beer if they entertain people, yeah. and that's sure, where that's they a trace. recipe for disaster. The, yeah. Yeah. the yeah. 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 I can lift more people, you know. And that's where it came from, and and then uh, somewhere along the lines, it split away from. 
I can do these amazing things to I look like I can do these amazing things to I just look like a certain way, you know, and and it just went off on that tangent um, quite far. But yeah, it does come. It all comes from um, being aesthetically pleasing comes from being athletic and being strong and being, you know, able to do superhuman feats of um, performance, strength, whatever it is, you know. But what I want to just drill down on a little bit there is that the, the body adapts to what you expose it to most. And we all know that. And this is a fact. This isn't my opinion. This is fact. And this is why I believe that having a performance based goal is so much better because just by focusing on that, your body adapts to that. And if you want, if you're overweight and you want to run, then your body's going to burn a lot of calories in your training and it's going to want to be lighter and you're going to want to be lighter because your damn running becomes a lot easier, you know? And so it, it, you don't, yeah, like as you said it well just before, setting yourself just an aesthetically driven goal, unless you're already aesthetically pleasing and you're wanting to stand on stage or something, it's, a, it's reverse engineering the process. And it, Which it usually seldom works. works. And the other way around, I mean, if you're looking at, you know, that, that's a running example of it for the audience here who, you know, a lot of calisthenics and, and gymnastics people, like you look at a gymnast and they're like arms, amazing, shoulders, yeah. like mm-hmm. the ultimate sort of upside down triangle physique. Like mm-hmm. they don't build that physique in in a bodybuilding sense and then try and apply it to yeah. gymnastics. They develop it through a combination of gymnastics mm-hmm. and strength training because that is what is required to be able to complete that. And then at the end, they look ridiculous. Yeah, but that's, like <laughs> that's, that's exactly right. You know, yeah. the aesthetic goals that everybody strives for becomes a side effect of, of, of movement yeah. goals. Yeah, and, I, I think um, Erica um, Buenaventura said it really well on the show yesterday where she was talking about how if you're pursuing the, um, you know, a certain athletic pursuit, then uh, the the side effect is yeah, the, you look the physique that, you that is appropriate for you do. that. That's and, and, and much more importantly, I think it, um, it's that it keeps you motivated. Mm. It really does because it, as, as you get better with your movement goals, you unlock the, the door to, it's like going into a huge house and the first movement goal is like stepping into the first room and having a look around and then you become familiar with it and then you own that room, you own that movement goal and you get to open the next door and see what's in there. Aesthetic goals don't work that way. It's, it, it doesn't, they don't have that same way of building on your motivation. And you get to a point where, like I was having a talk to Lockie this morning, who's by far one of our most senior members, um, as senior students as in not how old he is, but how long he's been with us for and what he's achieving. And he was saying, he did Richard's class yesterday at lunchtime. And he was telling me how he went into the planche and he said he's never just gone straight into the plants so well and he was doing the advanced tuck plants where your legs are out beside which is it, it's an amazing feat of calisthenic strength and he was talking to me about how amazing it felt and how strong he's feeling and how everything is coming together he's been training with us consistently for five years and he's at this point where he's getting this whole new level of motivation where he's feeling things in his body that he's never felt before he's doing the front splits when he could barely touch his toes before he's getting um nose to floor pancakes when he could when he was like back rounded when he started so uh, i aesthetic goals don't do that for you no and, and on the other hand because yanni you've known a lot more people that have been really driven by aesthetic goals on the elite level when it gets to that level after five years it becomes actually quite unhealthy yeah the aesthetic goals that people strive for like they you know this figure model type um look is 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 very unhealthy it it can become quite destructive yeah Yeah. absolutely and so what i wanted to talk about with you guys on here today um to to go in a little bit deeper into what i was talking about yesterday is 
I wanted to talk about what the role of the way that the body works when you start talking about movement goals, because when you forget about, okay, let's think about the way I look, when you shift from that into the way I perform, uh, and if we if we go into what uh, yesterday's show was about, which is, you know, I don't want to build muscle, I just want to tone myself. Spew, I missed that discussion. Yeah, well, <laughs> but but let's talk about that for a minute. What, what roles do, do the muscles play? Like when you forget about, I, I want my muscles to look a certain way. Let's talk about what they actually do for the body. You know, let's unpack why, why would you want more muscle on your body? Why would you want to prioritize at least maintaining muscle mass and maybe even trying to grow it? Yeah, well, my, one of the things that I've been very interested in looking into for the last couple of years is new research coming out that has indicated that muscles trigger the secretion of certain hormones in the body. Uh, they're not just considered in, um, something that contracts and moves a joint anymore then now it's being identified that oh okay hang on when we stimulate muscle it also stimulates the secretion of hormones that generally help to fight aging that help to make you f feel more vital and energetic that help to uh, counteract depression all of these different things that are, are really really critical to someone feeling good just generally feeling good mm. you know so I've heard you say muscles are like the fountain of youth well, yeah, they are. They're, you know, the, the, the publication that I read a couple of years ago, and I can't quote the name of it because I'm just not that bloody intellectual and I can't remember those things, but it is a, it, it, it was a really, really interesting study where they're now sort of suggesting that muscles like the pancreas and different secretory organs are a secretory organ. They, they um, trigger growth hormones and testosterone and all sorts of things in the body that are really, really important for one's vitality, sex drive, libido, mm -hmm. things like that, you know? So if you go above all the aesthetics and you go even above what I'm sure Phil will talk about around, um, um, you know, physical capability and, and, and stability and joint integrity and things like that, they're also really, really important for how we feel, you know, how yeah. we present it, how we turn up every day, our energy levels, all that sort of thing, you know? Yeah, yeah I mean, I, I think looking at the total extreme is a good place to start because uh, as a physiotherapist you do in your study a lot of um, work in hospitals um, and so that's in a neurological kind of sense so people with spinal cord injuries um, and then also a lot of kind of aged care stuff so it was really apparent having done um, some work in the intensive care unit and seeing some uh, motor vehicle accidents especially motorbike accident um, people who had um, you know a spinal cord dissection at, at quite a high level um, where basically they had zero ability to use their muscles. And so, you know, everyone's kind of like pretty aware of seeing people in a, in a wheelchair who can no longer use their legs and, and potentially, you know, can't use their arms, which is like an absolutely horrifying thing to think about. But the kind of what got really my eyes open to um, when doing this neurological rehab was like, you know, it, it affects so much more than that. It also affects like the, you know, the core sort of postural muscles. And then um, it got to the point with one of the, the patients where basically the diaphragm was partially affected. So even breathing, which is wow. a, is, is, is driven by like the diaphragm, which is a big muscle in um, just underneath your rib cage, but breathing is also driven by some of your shoulder muscles. So you could see with, um, yeah, this guy, we had to like basically like cough for him, breathe for him by, you know, pushing on his, his chest and stomach. And, and so seeing, you know, not only like move, moving around, getting up and walking around and using his hands is problematic, but basically like breathing. So mm -hmm. when, you, when, you, when you see that far end of extreme of when you don't have muscles and the body is not doing a lot. And, yeah. um, and then eight in, when I was doing my aged care rehab, when, um, there was this amazing lady, Sheila, who um, she was 93, cognitively totally with it, 
amazing. She played Words with Friends with her, her son, um, like just, you know, on her iPad, totally just incredible techno mum. But then she'd not stood up for years. And so she'd totally lost all the muscles in her legs. And so we started doing strength training together. And that was basically trying to get her to do one sit to stand was like a, you know, beyond one RM yeah. bodyweight squat. And it was just amazing to me that such a like cognizant, capable woman who was like, so there in so many ways without being able to stand up, she ended up in a hospital where, you know, this was potentially like going in and spending the rest of her life in a nursing home, even though she's cognitively there, it sounds like torture to me, just yeah. because she couldn't get up and move around. And it's the yeah. most common thing, I did emergency department placements as well. And the most common thing there in aged care is people uh, falling over, breaking the hips. And that comes from uh, not having the muscle strength to stand up appropriately, climb over, you know, bath, bathtubs, but also balance. Muscles are hugely important in stability and balance. Um, and then when the people then fall, if you don't have muscles cushioning you, um, then that's a, a way that you can very easily break a hip. And when you break a hip, you usually end up dead within five years. So. Yeah, that's what I was about to say. Apparently, um, when you break a hip, you, you statistically, if you're over the age of 50, uh, 65, you um, have an 80% chance of dying within the next 12 months or something like yeah, that. Yeah, it, it's scary how like- It's insane. It's, and it, and, but like the breaking the hip is a sign of so many other systems that yeah, aren't kind of working yeah. because if you aren't doing the uh, sort of, you know, if you don't have any muscles there, it, it's a sign you probably haven't done any much in the way of impact or resistance, which means your bone mineral density is right down. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. when we think about training muscles and, and movement practices, we're, like it's easy to kind of focus on the muscles because that's what you see, but then the, like your bones, your ligaments, uh, your cartilage is also responding to the stress of training and it's adapting to be able to deal with the stress in a really positive sort of way. So if you don't have the kind of resistance and impact that builds muscle, you're also getting weaker, weaker bones and having seen the uh, effects of people who haven't done it, it is terrifying. Yeah, yeah <laughs> and, you don't, and you don't know, you don't really know that this stuff's going on in your body until you get to a point where it is actually really bad. And it's a real problem. Yeah, it's where it's a real problem, yeah. We start to degenerate after about the age of 30 for men, and I think it's a bit younger for women, yeah. uh, if we don't stimulate. Mm -hmm. And uh, and it is it really starts to pick so, up yeah, steam. It, it's so every important to think about, like, it, the earlier, you, the more you can build early and then maintain, the better you'll be. But you do hit a certain level, like, after you, you sort of, you know, yeah, about 30, you basically, the best you can do is maintain. It's really hard to... Uh, like build more muscle fibers and more um, bone mineral and density. I, Unless I you go all in. And yeah. I, I want to I hang on that, what you just said there for a minute, Phil, because this is what my whole show yesterday was about, is how flawed, like I want, you, I want everybody to just take note of what Phil just said there. It is really, really hard to build more after the age of 35. You're, you're almost working just to maintain what you've already got. Now, that's, that's not to say that it's impossible. But so if you're over the age of 35 and you're ladies, if you're coming into the gym with the attitude of, I don't want to build muscle, I just want to tone, man, you are not understanding what's going on in your body. You do want to build muscle. You do. You want to work your butt off to build muscle. And if you are lucky, if you're a 60 kilogram or whatever that is, 130, 140 pound woman, then you are going to be very, and you're over the age of 35, you are going to be very lucky if you can build two or three kilos of muscle. You're not going to build yeah. like five or 10 kilos of muscle. That, that's a really important point. But this, the, I think the more important point, because I know that we have a lot of uh, people in the health and fitness space who listen to the podcast and who are in the movement mastermind group. So I want to just re rewind for a moment and go over what, what Phil spoke about there um, <coughs> in regards to the, the, the problem, the, the, the notion that when we do strength training we're 
pleasing the muscle tissue. We're, we're stimulating the muscle tissue. But I want people to have a better answer to when they're training their women or elderly populations who say they don't want to build muscle. I want them to have a better answer than, oh, it's very important to build muscle because of sarcopenia. You need to understand that when we strength train, when we move the way we do in the UMS, and for any great strength coach out there who's encouraging this style of movement practice, you're training the body. You're not training the muscle system. You're yeah. training m far more than that. And as, as we spoke about last week, the body is just merely a whole bunch of relationships between different systems that all need feedback and stimulus constantly. And it, so if you keep compartmentalizing that we do strength training for muscles and we do cardio for the heart, yeah. it, does, it doesn't work like that. It yeah. does not work like that. The body mm -hmm. doesn't work in compartmentalization, you know, and... The, the very notion that we just lift weight to stimulate the muscles is flawed. And that's where people get it wrong. We're stimulating muscle tissue and stimulating bone mineral density and all of the connective tissues that run between all of that, plus the central nervous system. And we now know that we're also stimulating the brain and, and the brain tissue in a way that it doesn't get stimulus in any other way other than when we strength train it, you know? Mm -hmm. And so you, you're combating Alzheimer's and all these degenerative brain diseases that come along when we age as well by doing strength training by resistance training yeah. you know and i think it's also important to then look at like some really positive examples of people who have you know aged amazingly well like there was yeah. the first uh, 100 like centurion 100 year old to run a marathon um i think probably about five or ten years ago now um when i was in peru i was in like this jungle remote jungle community in uh, the andes and the guy who owned the little plot of land that i was staying on he was like this i think he's about 80 and he was like leading us around the bush and he was like showing us how to chop down bamboo and like yeah. hiking around in an extreme yeah. heat yes. and it's just like you know he's, was, he's kept using yeah. his body where yeah. it, and and it was what, so strong and capable one of the amazing. things i was most impressed with watching david attenborough's a life on planet earth was at 93 years old how Mate. cognitive and functioning this guy is and it's only because he's spent his entire life traveling the world hiking through jungles and climbing and doing all this stuff yeah. At 93, I'm like, did you think that? Did oh, you it was go, incredible. Holy crap. Like, yeah. Kalisha said to me while we we're watching this documentary, he's 93? Yeah. Holy crap. Mm. You know, he, she's like, he looks like he's in his 70s, you know? Yeah, wow. And it's because he used his body the whole, like, his whole life has been traveling and exploring and climbing and God knows what, you know? And, you know, like, yeah, look, I, I cannot stress this enough. We need to break away from this notion that when we do strength training, it's just to build aesthetic muscle like bodybuilders. You know, it's got nothing to do with that. That is a substrate. That's a mere diversion from the true path, which is to keep your body functioning at well, a high level. Well, this is what I did want to talk about today. And Aidan, we'll get to your question in just a sec. It's a um, good one. It, it is a good yes. question. Um, but the... You know, the, the, this whole um, week of topics has come from two questions that were asked to us. One was in the in the Movement Mastermind group and one was in the gym. And, and I, what Yanni just said there, I want to relay that to the question that was asked on Monday about the spine. Because when we talk about the, the, the relationship of the way that the body moves and the way that, uh, you know, um, everything that Yanni just said, one of the things that you, if you then understand that and you say, okay, cool, I'm, I'm gonna train for movement. The next thing that you need to look at is, you need to look at how do I train my entire body for movement? So going to the gym and doing weightlifting and doing all this, all this stretching and everything that we advocate is a really important part. But one of the 
One of the things you have to understand is as well that you need to train every single joint in the body and probably one of the most neglected areas in most strength training programs is, is the spine, is spine movement. So that's something that you need to have a look at as well. You need to look at every single joint in your body, right from your fingers to your toes and through your spine as well. Did, did anyone catch uh, the UFC, la not last weekend, last weekend was the, um, the um, uh, Holly Holmes fight, but the one before that was Israel Adesanya and um, Paolo Costa, which was tipped to be the fight of the year and Israel Adesanya just dominated Paolo Costa in a way that I've never seen before. It was incredible to watch. And when he got in the ring, they always do a little bit of a, 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 a ritual sort of warm up. You know, they, so you can see that the fighters are psyching themselves up. And Israel Adesanya got in the ring and did spinal waves for mm. about like two, three minutes. Yeah. Literally looked like a snapshot out of something we'd do at a warm up. Yeah. And if, you know, you could tell that people were going, what the hell is Israel Adesanya doing? And he was warming up his central nervous system, but in, in doing spinal waves, you know, getting his body moving and flowing in a, in a really amazing way. I want to show you. You'll yeah. just, you'll freak out, yeah, you know. I'll watch it. And yeah, sure. uh, I was just like, like it only cut to him a couple of times, mm. but w both times the camera cuts to him, he's doing different versions of spinal waves and yeah, really that. loosely, you know. Yeah, nice. That was his warm up. Yeah. Like it is, uh, and, and, and that's at the highest level. Then he gets in and dominates someone who was considered one of the best <laughs> top up and coming fighters in the UFC, you yeah. know. It is really, really beneficial to do. You oh, know? Massive, massive. I will, we'll go deeper into um, the role that the spine plays in uh, in your movement practice tomorrow. But let's, uh, let's answer Aiden's question here. Aiden has said, you mentioned balance muscles there, Phil. Do you guys specifically program for balance exercises or is it something like a split squat good enough? You see a lot of people on Insta doing squats on BOSU balls, um, exercise balls and crazy stuff. Does that have its place or is that just for showing off? I'm going to give my two cents and then I'll let <laughs> Phil run with this. Give, get, let um, us do our two cents first and then yeah, let Phil finish off. The, um, there's been a lot of fads in the fitness industry in the 17 years that Yanni and I have been in the uh, industry and yeah, all these splits squats and um, Swiss ball squats and everything was something that came in um, probably well at least became popularized in the way that we were seeing them about 15 years ago or so and there was a time where a lot of trainers were doing them with people and the research just showed that they didn't stack up against um, the basic primary strength moving movements that we use in the UMS and balance itself is a really is a really um, interesting thing like balance is not universal you, you can't have universal balance you, you'll be you'll have good balance in the areas of balance that you practice so you might be really good at um i don't know doing a tightrope but if you if you try something a uh, different like ma maybe martial arts style balance it, it won't necessarily transfer in the same way there it, it's kind of like whatever you practice so the way that we do it yes split squats lunges um step ups, step -ups. um they have a they they do a, a lot of really good stuff for balance my, my opinion is this, BOSU balls are a bloody waste of time. Uh, Anti-stability training is useful in like real rehabilitation purposes where you need to regress someone that far and get them doing something <coughs> very gentle. But balance uh, is very easy to train. You just have to do a unilateral movement. You yeah. don't need to go beyond that. And I have very good balance and most of the people I've trained have very good balance yeah. and I've done very little of it on BOSU balls and and we've uh, done almost and, nothing on you know, BOSU balls. Like I, I, I will introduce I will introduce or use a Jura disc for someone who's 
really compromised, you know, yeah. but it's not doing squats and split squats. It's yeah. literally getting them to, to balance on a Jura disc on one foot and then building that st base stability and, and uh, then you, you, you progress them back to doing step ups and split squats and squats and things yeah. like that. So if you want to be really good at doing squats and obosa balls, you should absolutely practice doing <laughs> squats and obosa balls. That's what it comes down to. It comes down to this like specificity. Um, and so like when you, if you want to get stronger, you should do squats without a bursty ball because yeah. you'll be able to put more weight on. If you yeah. want to get good at, at balance and spend more time doing balance. And I think balance is a wonderful thing to train. Um, but yeah, just as, as, as Rad said, it is very much a specificity game. So, um, but something, one thing with, with balance people sort of don't always think about when they want to get better at balance is it, it is a progressive overload thing as well in both like intensity and also challenge and, and stress. So if you do particularly want to get better at balance, then you should try and take those same principles that we teach for strength training and flexibility training to your balance. Um, and yeah, definitely like in the Unity program, we try and get as much done in an hour as you can and that are the most valuable for you. Yeah. And building up strength and flexibility is, is kind of one of the best things you can do for your balance. Because <coughs> I, I, I did say, um, you know, your muscles work to do balance, but that's not saying that there are certain muscles that are their prime role and their only job is yeah. balance itself. The same muscles that are your prime movers, the same muscles that are your stability muscles all work together um, to create balance. So yeah. if you're creating a strong body, then you'll have a much better chance at, at, at also being. Yeah, yeah I, give, think, I think. Me, can I just say yeah. something very quickly? Because it's, it's very important. I've trained two professional athletes, one surfer and one snowboarder in my day who required really high levels of balance. And there was two occasions where I used anti-stability exercises within the gym. They were when the snowboarder couldn't get to the snow and the surfer couldn't get into the ocean to surf for a long period of time. And I was like, okay, well, if we're not surfing now, three or four days a week and we're not snowboarding three or four days a week then we'll do a little bit of balance training but other than that your job and i've said this a dozen times as a strength coach in the gym is to make someone strong flexible and athletic so that when they take themselves out of the gym and jump on their surfboard or jump on their snowboard they're going to be robust they're going to have high injury tolerance so they're not if they're not going to hurt themselves when they fall over and they're not going to fatigue when they're bending their knees down a slope racing in a downhill snowboarding race all of their balance training will come from the sport specifically and anyone who says anything else doesn't quite understand how to train people properly yeah i yep. think often seeing people do this yeah the the balance aspects of some of the exercises just detracts from what you're trying to achieve love balance you should train it if you want to get better at, at balance but don't be distracted by these weird looking moves yeah. yeah but cycling is really fun i'm a big cycling fan done it a lot if you want to check out my instagram you can scroll back as uh lots of me yeah. cycling. Rock, rock climbing is <laughs> another great example michael hunter said here rock climbing so rock rock climbing there is a need for grip and there's a need to be light like you don't want to be carrying lots of weight so you might try to program for those two things and like flexibility and overall strength but you hone your skills rock climbing rock climbing yep. like you don't rock climb in the gym to train you know yep. uh and so yeah we have people come in here the most common is that they've got really severe tendinopathy in the forearms from not having the strength in the uh, in the hands and the and the gripping muscles to sort of 
uh, accommodate the amount of rock climbing they've exposed their body to. And it's usually when people adopt rock climbing as a hobby really quickly because it's so enjoyable and they don't build up to it progressively. And then, yeah, we, we work to, to sort of build a little bit more strength and tolerance load capacity in the forearms. But we don't make them better rock climbers in the gym. <laughs> Just doesn't work that way. All right, I've got to run. Yep. Um, we'll See you guys up here. But yeah, I'd love to chat more about about balance at some point. So maybe we'll. Yeah, hundred percent. Good yeah. questions, great guys. Fun. Really Very great much. questions. And yeah, nice work, Michael Hunter, with the rock climbing chat. All right. Yeah. Uh, are we? Ch- is that it? Are we? Yeah, out? that's it. Oh, we're we're out. Okay. Well, Have we'll a good day, guys. We'll see you tomorrow. Good work. <laughs> Health is about performance, not just body image. You better be willing to accept what you're going to have to do to get there. We'll start focusing on movement goals, strength goals, flexibility goals. When you nail that skill, it's there forever. The body image goal doesn't get you that far. It's the consistency and frequency that's going to get you there. It's not the intensity. There's no shortcuts to mastery and movement. Destination doesn't change overnight, but your direction will. The gym is not the place to beat up the body that you hate. It's the place to build the body that you love. We are the gym that teaches people how to move instead of just exercise because we believe that health is about performance, not just body image.